That is awesome. You know, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and um, I mean Thanksgiving week, sorry, uh, this coming week, and I saw something that I just wanted to quickly read to you, which I thought was funny. I'm not sure what state this is now, the requirement, but it says only six people are allowed at Thanksgiving, but 30 are allowed at a funeral. I will be having a funeral on Thanksgiving for my pet turkey. <laughs> Refreshment. <laughs> it says, I will, I, will be having, I will be having a funeral on Thanksgiving for my pet turkey. Refreshments will be provided. <laughs> that is awesome. I thought that was funny. So, uh, wonderful, wonderful. So, it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, there's much to give thanks for, and I was going to, there really is, there really is, and I was going to um, preach on Thanksgiving, the power of Thanksgiving, and, uh, and I often, I, it's one of my favorite things to just touch on, people don't often realize the supernatural power that we have in the giving of thanks, it actually takes something out of the enemy's hand and puts it into the Lord's hand in the giving of thanks, and uh, I was, would love to talk about that, and... Um, and it would have flowed very well in the Acts and, Acts and Origins series that we've been in. It's been the most interrupted series I've probably ever done. But, um, but I'm not going to do that this morning. And um, the reason being is that I'm aware, just very aware, of where a lot of people's minds are at in regards to everything happening in the world and restrictions and churches and different laws and different things. And so I am going to speak into that this morning and we're going to have a family day. We've already had some family business for those watching at home. I encourage you to listen because uh, some of the things we're going to talk about are some of the things that you may be concerned about. And so I would like to do that. And I'm going to speak just plainly, openly. And we're going to touch some sticky things this morning. And trust that we don't leave with sticky hands, which is difficult. And uh, my dad talks about being a Teflon Christian. Don't let things stick to you. Just let them... Let them slide off. And so I ask you this morning to hear what I have to say, what, the, what God's Word has to say, but with open hearts and with open ears and soft hearts for those at home as well as we begin to tackle some things that everyone is thinking about, but everyone thinks about it differently, yeah? Yeah. So, firstly, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for this house. I thank you for God's household. I thank you that you, Jesus Christ, are the head of the church. No man. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that people don't belong to people. We belong to you. I thank you that you have purchased us with your blood. And I thank you that you have given us your word as an authority. We bless you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place as God, as you are. And we ask that you bring revelation and freedom through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with Acts 17, verse 24 to 27. And it says this, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he, gives life, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men 
to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Some of you may have heard the saying or the statement which is more commonly said, he determined the exact times and places where you live. It's that scripture. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. I believe with all my heart that God has placed within his people solutions for the issues that we face today. And what I'm trusting begins to take place today, maybe as a relational issue between people, but also as a perspective that there's nothing that takes God by surprise, and he puts solutions to the, to the, to the situations and the problems that we face within his body, within his people. And so we can either say, ah, oh, just all the things that are happening and how they're affecting me and all the negativity. You can do that. Or we can shift our perspective with the mind of Christ and begin to believe there is a solution that God has put, and it may be within me. In terms of practical situations in the world, he puts his solutions in people. If he determines the time and the place where you live, think about this, the time. He chose for you to be here in this region and at this time. And he has put solutions in his people for the issues that the world faces. That is the truth. That is the truth. But it depends on how we see things. It depends on perspective. Perspective is powerful. Powerful. Amen? And that's not just a good saying. It's true. He has put solutions in his people for what the world faces. So, address a few things. Firstly, when we started meeting again in June, it was June 14th, I... Um, I delayed the beginning of the start of the service for 15 minutes for the first two weeks just to speak to the people that came and shared a little bit of our heart as a leadership as to how we get to approach the season. And we did that for two weeks. And I realized now that since we've grown, we've grown quite a bit. We haven't been advertising to grow. God's just people been coming and God's been doing wonderful things. And so we've grown. So many of the people that have come since then would not have maybe heard of our heart about this season. And also many of those watching at home because we didn't record those 15 minutes of, of the two services, the first two services that we had. So I want to share a little bit of that with you today but we're going to go into a little bit more depth. But firstly, obviously, a lot of people are asking, well, what happened last week? Why did we cancel everything last week? Well, pretty straightforward. Someone in our staff tested positive for COVID. They attended an event somewhere else, and then they came to work early in that week. I think it was on the 9th, and they let us know that they had just been tested. As the results came back, they tested positive. So what we decided to do, that was two weeks ago now, we decided to cancel the Sunday so that we could have the 14-day break, right, in between the two Sundays to respect everyone in the building and pretty much shut everything down in the building. It was that simple. And we, I asked all the staff to get tests. And I had multiple tests just because I come in contact with so many people and people all stand in a different place. So I had tests for all the different things and all the different strains and H1N1 and everything. And, um, and so all the tests came back, but they took a while to come back, and they've all come back negative, which is great. 
but we just wanted to let you know it's really just that simple, just to honour people. So that's why we that's why we closed, and that's why we're back this week. Does that make sense? It has also come to our attention recently, just as some people have began to speak to me and phone me, that I think maybe more specifically for those watching at home, that we haven't really as a leadership given this much thought or we haven't shown much care or attention to how different people feel about things. And I just want to let you know, and what I say now, I do not say to defend the leadership because defending yourself is kind of helpless. It, It always makes it worse or to defend myself, but because we don't want the enemy getting into people's hearts and causing division and destruction with what God is doing, for their sake and ours. Amen? So, as an eldership team, I, we have taken this very seriously. We have prayed and fasted a lot since the beginning of lockdown, more than I like to fast, um, to be honest. But it is important to communicate this clearly and so that everyone, in a sense, can be on the, on the same page. So as an eldership team, we've been meeting every Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. They've kept trying to move it to 7, but we've stayed at 6.30. And uh, we've met every, morning, uh, every Friday morning to pray, and we've met every Sunday morning as well early to pray. And we've had multiple fasts in this season, both to decide decisions of... of there's been some big decisions we have to make, and they, we have accompanied those decisions with fasting. We've prayed for the sick with fasting. We've decided about there's bigger things happening with the building. We've decided that with fasting. We've also prayed for the leaders of the nation. Who remembers we all fasted together for that, right? For the election, for the leaders of the nation, we fasted with that. We've also prayed much for a shield. The Bible describes faith as a shield. And I know it's a shield, but in the spiritual realm, it's like a a ball, like a shield all around you. That's how the Bible describes faith. And so, sorry, just excuse me, my nose is a little bit edgy. The Bible describes faith as a shield, and since we have come back to service, which is now six months, as far as I know, willing to be wrong, but as far as I know, we have not had a single person contract some illness or COVID by coming to this building, not one. So, which is awesome. Which is awesome. That's nothing by anything we've done is just by the gracious hand of God. He did give us some words about that last year. But there's no point of pride in that, and I don't say that in, in terms of to say if someone's not feeling well that now they can't tell us. No, tell us, please. But, but so far, God has been with us in a great way, and, and we've been largely unaffected by it. And that's a wonderful testimony to be able to, ha- to, be able to say. But for those at home, we don't take it lightly. Uh, we really, really don't, and we have prayed much. We've prayed for you, and for those of you who are very, very generous people, we were able to collect, I think, between fifteen to $20,000 to help the people who were out of work, and so we were able to give some of that away, which we've already told you guys before. So today, what I want to talk to you about, and I'm, I may go a little bit over time, but I ask you to hear my heart. I want to speak about having grace in the gray. Yeah, in the gray matters, not in the brain, that's not the gray matter, in the areas where it's not clear, having grace when it's gray. As believers, there are absolutes of which we all stand on. There are black and white issues, absolutes, some of them. Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, born of a woman by the Holy Spirit, who was the Messiah to come. We all agree on that. Yeah? 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 Great. 
Jesus lived a sinless life. Yes, Jesus died on the cross shedding his blood for the remission of sin to reconcile us to God and he offers salvation to all of mankind. Yes, Jesus was buried in the grave, but the grave could not hold him. He rose again, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God in the majesty of on high, as it says in Hebrews, and has now poured out the Holy Spirit. We all agree. Salvation is found in no other name but in the name of Jesus. It says that in the book of Acts. We all agree. So they are absolutes. They are absolutes, but they are also gray areas, things that uh, not sure, sure. We can all differ on. Yeah? So what I want to say today, let me just clarify by saying this. It would not be good or right if the motivation behind what I'm going to say is driven by anything that has to do with the political sphere. There's nothing wrong with talking about that from the pulpit and being, there's nothing wrong, but it cannot drive what I say. It cannot drive what I say. This has to drive what I say. It has to, okay? Also, as believers, we don't live in reaction because the kingdom is all over the world in all different nations. Yeah, the kingdom is bigger than the church. The kingdom is forever. So they are, the kingdom will impact nations that have no clue how this nation operates. So as believers, we don't live in reaction to what happens in the world. We live in response to our Father in everything, in everything, and that's a process. It also wouldn't be right if my motivation was based on what the government says. Nothing wrong with that, but it wouldn't be right if that was my motivation today. Why? Because depending on who you speak to, whether they're spiritual, national, business leaders, you will hear very differing opinions about the exact same thing. Depending on the news outlet, the media outlet that you listen to, you will hear facts about opposite facts about the same situation. So I can't be talking from that point. So the motivation has to arise from conviction. From conviction. A conviction, a deep conviction in the heart based on the word of God, what I see here, what we see here, which I'm going to present to you today. A deep conviction from the Word of God, from what we believe the Lord is saying. We can say, keep your ear to heaven, from the, which would be faith. Faith is what? The conviction of things unseen. It's the voice of the Lord. And also just common sense. The church needs common sense, yeah? A lot. So, turn to Romans 14, please, if you have a Bible. I'm actually going to put this down here. I printed it all out today. Romans 14. I'm going to speak to us today about grace in the gray, and we're going to speak about the first point, differences of conviction. What happens when a person is living with conviction? And I mean conviction. The Lord is, they feel like this is what the Lord has said. This is what the Word of God says. This is how I feel about it. This is how we were taught. And I'm living with a sense of conviction over here. But then over here, there's another believer that's living with, not from the wrong place, not from the wrong motive, not from any other thing, but they're also living from conviction, and these two people differ. Now what? See how quiet it is? Yeah. Now what? What do we do? We're living with convictions, but differences arise. But they're both real convictions. Well, Romans 14 gives us some clues. Now, let's go to verse 1. Oh, sorry. This thing, it threw up on me. So, 
Romans 14 verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. I love that verse, by the way. Uh, obviously, I use it out of context frequently, um, but just as a side note. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than the other. They're talking about holy days. Now, they had come away from the law, so they had done away with holy days, but some people said, no, they're still important. Other people said, no, they're not. Both of them had conviction. Now we have a problem. You know that that issue still goes on 2,000 years later. So, one day considers one day more sacred than the other, and another man considers every day alike. I love this next sentence. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so as to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains, in other words from eating meat, does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. So, what is going on here? Like, what are you talking about? All right. So, we're dealing... Paul uses an example of meat because there was an issue of contention. So, what's actually happening here is that the meats that were sold in the meat markets, they weren't sure of the origin of those meats. And there was meat that was sacrificed to idols, and Jerusalem had given a council an edict saying, try not to eat meat sacrificed to an idol. So now they're going to a meat market. They have no idea where that meat comes from, and they say, well, therefore I cannot eat meat at all because I don't know if it's ever been sacrificed to an idol. Then other people would say, well, what are you talking about? Of course we can. Jesus lives inside me. So, it doesn't matter. It has no power. So that's, now we have two, two differing convictions based on the same issue. And the differences of convictions, which I'm going to explain, were based on spiritual, moral, or reasons of stewardship. Why do I say that? In a spiritual way, as I said, some were concerned about the demonic involvement about offering food to an idol and eating that food, eating that meat, and so they were concerned. It was actually a spiritual warfare issue. I don't want to touch that because it's been offered to an idol. Others said, don't you know the authority that we have in Christ? Others who maybe were Greek and got saved had seen idols being made growing up, knew they were nothing but wood or uh, or stone or gold. or So they said, it has, it, it's nothing. It has no power. Christ lives in you. The blood of God is over you. The blood of Jesus is over you. You can, you can eat any meat. doesn't matter. They're both right, which we'll see. But they were different. So they're different in conviction because of something in the spiritual realm. Also, they're different morally. Why? Because to Jewish people, a lot of that meat was still considered unclean. They weren't allowed to eat that meat by the law. And so they were moving away from the law, but they were adjusting to that process, yeah? It's like a person as they grow, they adjust to the Lord. And so they were, to them, it was unclean. They, were, they grew up all their life being told it's detestable and an abomination. That's from Leviticus. And now they just must go eat it all of a sudden. They, they just couldn't. They were like, no, it's morally wrong. Morally wrong. 
To the other people, it was not. They didn't have the same history. They're like, what do you mean it's morally wrong? I've been eating that all my life. Or it was an issue of stewardship. Now, that could be stewardship with anything. But for this, it was financial stewardship. Because the meat sold in the meat markets was far cheaper, far cheaper than raising your own animals, as a lot of the Jewish people did, and preparing all the meat and doing everything yourself and feeding that animal and raising it and, and then, so that it can be, be prepared in a way that you know is right according to the Old Testament law. And so the new believers were coming and saying, why are you wasting? Why are you not stewarding your money, wasting so much money out of fear? Do you not understand? And so now you have two different convictions. Hello? Yeah. So now Paul has to deal with this. Paul's saying, okay, this is happening in the church. So what do we do when we have different convictions within the body of Christ? Well, we love without violating conscience. Let's go to the next. Well, actually go to verse 14. Go to verse 14. We learn to love without violating conscience. Verse 14. Romans 14, verse 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, Paul speaking, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. So that's the truth. He says, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. It's a stunning verse. He said, no, actually I'm fully convinced. I've been to heaven, I've seen things, I've written, I'm writing letters. I'm telling you it's not unclean. But if they regard it as unclean, yeah, then it's unclean. So we have Paul giving us the truth, but the impact of the truth changes according to the person's inner walk with God. So it's true, but it's not true for everyone, but it's true. Hello? Yeah. Verse 15, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, remember, love others without violating conscience, which I'll explain what that is. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother. That doesn't mean kill him. That means destroy his faith. For whom Christ died. You are so, now you're living with conviction in what you believe, all right? Which is great. But it's causing another person in the family or the household of God to have some struggle, to have some issues. And Paul's saying, rather be known by what brings you together than by what separates you. Yeah? Rather be known by what brings you together than by where you differ. Don't make mountains out of molehills because the kingdom is far bigger than that. But what happens, this is the question I get often, what happens when to each one they cannot act or change what they're doing in a way that would assist the struggle in the other person because it's, it would violate their conscience to do so. And what I mean by that is it would press their hearts, this is from a commentary, in a place where they believe they are disobeying the Lord or agreeing and empowering, agreeing with and empowering the enemy, the spiritual realm. So they cannot change what they're doing to assist another because it would violate their conscience. And the Vines, the Vines Dictionary defines conscience as the faculty by which we apprehend God's will and by which we govern our lives. And it calls it a co-knowledge with God. And it's a journey for each person. So if both parties 
if this is happening, what does Paul say? He says, do not destroy your brother for whom Christ died. He said, remember that the same payment was made for both of you and you're both in the same kingdom. It's far bigger. Don't, don't go aside because of something you both don't understand. Understand that the current view you have, God's bigger than both. He really is. He's really bigger than both. Then he says, verse 16, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Now, people have taken that verse out of context. That means if I like someone, another person, or if I like this president or the next president or this one, you can't speak of him. It doesn't mean that. There's a verse in 2 Peter that does mean that, but this doesn't mean that. It says, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. It's speaking about that person's freedom. They're so free in the spiritual realm. They understand. They can eat. They can, it's okay. They're free. But now, in my use of that freedom in front of another, it's causing them to not be free. Am I making sense? This is when a, fred, a person's freedom becomes an issue. Alcohol is a good example here. Oh, we're touching all sorts of sticky things today. It's quite fun. It's, it's serious, but actually it's okay. Because there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. The Bible says don't get drunk, but you can have a glass of wine, a couple of beers or something. But to do that around a recently recovered addict, your freedom that God has set you free, even if that's your history, and God has set you, it's never a thought in your mind. But now to do that around them can destroy another's faith. We know of a story, my dad and I know of a gentleman who went, they were breaking into nations, literally breaking into whole nations, into Muslim nations. And one of the people who were working with this gentleman who was breaking into nations, who had been working with some of these high-level political leaders for years, but he brought someone along with to, to teach him, and he like went to the bathroom, and the other guy was still there, I can't remember exactly, but he ordered a glass of wine in front of this guy. He didn't understand what they believe, and the whole nation shut down. His freedom caused the problem here, even though there's nothing wrong with his freedom. Verse 17, for the kingdom, see the kingdom, the kingdom, the dominion of our king, authority, the kingdom of God is not about or not a matter of eating and drinking. He's saying you're so celebrating the freedoms you have, don't forget the kingdom. It says, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So what's the answer? The kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Why? In the New Testament, it says, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, speak by the Spirit. These people were moving away. Christians, if they were formerly Jews, were moving away from the law. The law dictated everything they did from the moment they woke up to the moment they went to sleep. Dress like this, speak like this, talk like this, eat like everything. Now Christ has fulfilled the law. So now what? That's why it says in Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Because now the apostles were saying, all right, the Spirit of God is saying this. And they were searching the Old Testament to see all the prophetic truths and what carries through and what must I do. Imagine having that job, kind of important. And they wrote the New Testament. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles. They're like, how do we now live all day, every day? How do, what do we do? 
That's why in Acts chapter 6, when they approached them and they said they, they were handing out finances to the widows, and, and now there was some issue about that. And so they came to the apostles. They said, listen, we'll appoint these other guys to handle that. We must give our attention to the word and prayer because they, had to, they were working through all this stuff. That's why in Acts chapter 15, when major decision had to be made, it actually had to do with the issue we're talking about now, about the meat and major decisions. At the end of their decision, they wrote this edict to all the churches, and they, this is what they said. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Actually, they put the Holy Spirit first. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's a better order. So everything was by the Spirit of God, for the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so they were celebrating their freedoms, but actually the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Advance the kingdom. Understand the authority you have. If you have to let that go, let it go. So this is what's happening. And at times, as I say, we have to let go of freedom because the kingdom is bigger. How? By having an outlook of love. Let's carry on. Verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and for mutual edification. I'll read that again. Let us make a little very small effort. Oh, no, no. It says every. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. Again, that's what he says. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, I love the verse I love. Sometimes, you know, you want to find a verse that's a good thing to say to someone. Whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Paul said that. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. That means... You are blessed means happy is he. Happy is the man who is so free that before God he knows and he can be free. But sometimes keep it to yourself and the Lord. So be free. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and you've been set free and you see the truth and you've demonstrated the power of God. You've, you know freedom. But then you so badly want someone else to be free like that too. You're like, no, don't do that. You don't, that's silly. Oh, don't do that. If they haven't invited that, you damage them. Even though your desire is for them to be what you consider free. It may not be free for them. Hello? A week together? So what happens? What happens? It says the man who has doubts... Now, he's talking about the meat issue, which I will clarify. Is condemned if he eats because he is not eating from faith and, from, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. In other words, he's saying, listen, you, you're demonstrating this freedom to such a degree. There's a, another guy with you. He feels like, oh, I better eat like that too because I'm free. But in his heart, he's not. So now he does what you're doing, but there's no conviction. He does it out of insecurity or whatever. He does it. And so now he's going through a motion of doing something that is not actually from conviction, it's not from faith, and it doesn't help him. And so what happens is the person will actually become trained to do things without conviction. And when a person lives from a place that is no conviction, in the modern church, 
That happens so much. You go to church, sing the song. So many people go through the motions that it doesn't sound like a big deal. But for a person who's living and walking and breathing and in him I move and have my being and walking in the spirit, it's everything. It's everything. And so we can sometimes with a good heart actually train people to live without conviction, and it weakens their conscience. It weakens the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, ah, don't do that, ah. It weakens that. So, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 8. We're going to read the whole chapter real quick. It's very similar. I just want to show you that it's in more than one place. Verse 1, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that all possess knowledge. The Corinthians claimed they possessed special knowledge. Some people would call that revelation. They became a little bit prideful about it. So Paul's saying, you with all your special knowledge. He says, we know that all all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. In other words, your current view may change. But the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. You see, there he says it again. An idol is nothing at all in the world, and there is no God but one. For even if they are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. He's speaking about kings and you know, natural lords and false gods. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But now everyone knows this. Some, but now everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. What does that mean? He's saying some people have grown up with it, and they know, like, it's nothing. And they can, it's, it's nothing. They can eat, it's no problem. Other people have grown up with it, and there's still something in their heart going, yeah, but it's, it does have power. I mean, uh. and so now they eat of it, they partake with everyone else who's free, and it weakens their conscience. It's kind of saying exactly the same thing as Romans 14. To him who considers it unclean. We already read that. Now, does it mean when I do something according to my conscience that every time I'm right? No. I have acted in my past, and I, trust me, if you're older than like 12, you've done it too, You've acted what you believe is, you know, mm, and then later you're like, mm, now it's wrong. But your conscience was clear. 1 Corinthians 4.4 4 speaks about that. It says this, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Huh. Let's continue, verse, verse 8. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. And it explains very similar things. So he says it in different places. Now, have love as an outlook. Do not, for the sake of food, Romans 14, 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Now, we're going to make this practical. Can we get sticky hands together? 
Can we be a family? To all those watching at home, please hear my heart. I really mean that. As it sits now, we are dealing with situations unprecedented pretty much in our lifetime. And leading through this time has been interesting. And I can tell you that I've been on my face before the Lord many times because I'm aware everyone falls down and everyone lands in a different spot. So it's impossible to, another motivation that would be wrong to make decisions from is to try to appease people. That doesn't mean people are not important. It means it's impossible. It's for him. It's for him. So there are many in every church all around the world, I'm sure, who are differing in their convictions about how they, we, or others should or should not be handling the current situations. For example, social distancing, masks, oh boy, different things. So, it's almost like you could say there are differing convictions that arise from spiritual reasons, moral reasons, and reasons of stewardship the same things. Why do I say that? Spiritual reasons. They are those that believe, and I'm going to read this so that I don't get in trouble. They are those who believe with all their heart, and it's true, with every fiber of their being, that there is right now a direct attack on the church from the spiritual realm. And to simply go along with the crowd and to go along with certain edicts is to actually give agreement with the enemy and it's time to stand. It's a form of control. Doesn't mean we fight flesh and blood against those who are doing those things in, the, in those people's minds. They know, we don't fight them, but there's a supernatural thing going on. There's an attack of the church and they will give you all the evidence for that. They also may not understand why are masks, why are masks such a big deal? Like I've heard many say, well, I'm wearing a mask, but no one's cleaning that keypad that everyone touches. After they pay, no one's cleaning the gas pump handle, no one's cleaning all the door handles, no one's doing, it makes no sense in their mind. And there are many like that. And so they're saying, there's something behind this, there's something behind this, it's not good, we must stand our ground. Then there are others, believers, love Jesus, are saying, how can you say that? You're not a doctor, you don't know. <laughs> and they believe that with all their heart. Both people acting out of deep conviction in their heart. So there's differences of convictions based on spiritual reasons. And we can't fault one or the other. What about moral? People say, well, we must obey the authorities. You know, the Bible says we must obey the authorities. Romans 13, just a chapter before, Clayton, read the chapter before. You know, we must obey the authorities. Why are we not adhering in every way to the strictest way possible? You know? Why, why, why are we not doing it? We must obey the authorities. And then other people will say, well, you know, they, didn't, they said must we obey God rather than man? Or they say, we, well, we are obeying the authority, the highest authority, which is the Constitution. Because the other name for the Constitution, I just became a citizen last week, by the way. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And so I've just studied that. <laughs> All right. And 
the highest law of the land is the Constitution. It is called the supreme law of the land. And they say, well, we are obeying the authorities, the Constitution. It is the supreme law of the land. Don't you know that? And the Constitution says in the First Amendment, religious freedom says it is the freedom to practice or not to practice, not just to believe inside my heart, to practice. So, there you have two differing things. Well, you must obey the governing authorities. Yeah, I agree, but this is, I'm obeying this one. What about reasons of stewardship? We should be good stewards of our bodies and as believers in the way we love our neighbor and our treatment of others. <laughs> others will genuinely believe the opposite. Say, oh, it's just flu. If I shut myself up for three months and do this and I wear a mask and I wash my hands every five minutes, then my immune system will go down and then when we all come out, everyone's gonna get sick of everything. And some believe this with all their heart. Deep in their heart, they've prayed it. They've, they've looked to scripture. And some here. <laughs> and you can't go to the world. Because the, the Bible says they're blinded. They, they don't have a, they're not spiritually discerned. They, it's not about the kingdom. It's just about what they want. And that's not, they're not, they have the same value to the Lord as us, by the way. So when we are dealing with the differences in areas that it's gray, pretty much it's not about right versus wrong. Try that in a marriage. Good luck. Well, I'm right. No, you're not. Well, I'm right. Well, it doesn't matter because it's how I feel. But I'm right. Who cares that? Yeah. It doesn't go well. Romans 14, 16. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Do not cause your freedom, which is a good thing, to be slandered because of the way you use it. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make the smallest possible effort. No. Every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So, let the body of Christ not turn on each other because we differ in a gray area. Because we differ in a gray area. Most people <laughs> will hear that their way. That's right. You see, you must do what I want. <laughs> I would encourage you to say, if it doesn't violate conscience, not preference, your actual conscience, adjust to the other. So, do whatever you can to love others, but not in a way that violates your conscience. So, I'm going to talk to both views quickly. And I know I've gone over, but we're going to be a little longer. This is important, and it's necessary. I'm going to talk to both views. For those who wear masks, I'm asking you to understand with all my heart that there are others who have internal battle and a struggle, sorry, when they put that on. They are not being stubborn. <laughs> Deep in their heart, they believe they will be disobeying the Lord and empowering the enemy with their agreement, or they believe they are weakening the immune system in the natural. 
You may say, that's ridiculous. But that's not the point, is it? Because that's not you. There are people who believe that so deeply. They are not just being stubborn. They are not being mean. <laughs> they are not. And of course, you are always free to wear one. But don't allow what you consider to be good to be spoken of as evil. Because of how you use that freedom. The Bible says make every effort. I will asking you, I'm going to speak to the other point in a moment, so don't worry. I'm asking you, in your heart, to understand there are people with different perspectives. Romans 14 says this, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Then he says, One man considers one day more sacred than the other, another day every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced fully convinced in his own mind and in his own heart. So a person can be fully convinced in their own mind and in, in their own heart. And they have a different perspective. Who are we to judge them? Why? Because Paul's saying, you are not the person that can empower them to stand. Either way, the Lord will empower them to stand, not you. You are not their source. And they are fully convinced. Now, if it's out of a different heart or a bad heart or whatever, I don't care. Obviously, that's different because that's not love. That's not love. That's not an outlook of love. That's why I said it's not about preference. We're talking about conviction, conscience. So, I'll say it again. Do whatever you can to love others, but not in a way that violates your conscience. For those who choose not to wear masks... Or any other requirement. I heard someone say, you know, you walk around and COVID just trembles at your name. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But for those of you who choose not to, I'm asking you to understand that there are people with real, legitimate reasons that you know nothing about. They could have had a person in their family that passed from this issue. And then we say, oh, it's nothing. It is something to them. They could have, or maybe an immunosuppressed person themselves or living with someone. They may have an illness that they have not told anybody about because it's private. And now you're pressuring them because you want them to see things your way. They may not wear gloves. I mean, they, sorry, they may not wear gloves or a mask they may wear gloves or a mask not because they want to, because maybe their spouse wants them to. And out of respect and honor for their spouse, or maybe just to keep peace in their home, they do that. And your challenge to them can cause division in the marriage. The point is, they should be able to come into this service, into your house, and you into their house, and they do not owe anyone an explanation as to why they do what they do. The Bible says in Romans 13, you owe no, no man anything except to love. You do not owe an explanation. And I tell the people watching at home, you do not owe anyone an explanation. You just don't. You owe no man anything except to love. You could be, you should be able to walk in here with 
bubble wrap, seven gloves, nine masks, and a hazmat suit, really, and, and not feel when you walk in, the other believers going, oh, they're just with fear. You don't know who they are and what they're doing and why. Who are you to judge another man's convictions? So, I do speak to those watching from home. And I'm not saying that, oh, you better get back here. No, you be free, genuinely free. For those that are here or for those that prefer not to do things, I am asking you to consider what I'm saying. So, I realize if you're watching from home, you may not be aware of the measures, some of the measures that we have taken, so I wanted to let you know because that's fair and right. We have now six or seven or eight, I'm not sure, Keurigs that we've put at the back because the, one of the things is individually dispensed coffee and then I want everyone touching the big coffee pot. So we've actually bought multiple Keurigs at, mul- at different stations so that people can get coffee within their level of freedom or conviction. No one touches it, it's one dispense and it's thrown away. We have four sanitizing stations around the building. We have masks at the front door for those who want them if the case they forget. We have, right now we have red bands for people to wear red bands. And the reason we did that, I had someone phone me and say, why would you have me wear that? Because it points me out as a person. And I said, no, 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 that wasn't the intention. The intention was whenever a person, now be moving to stickers, by the way, because we had a person saying, well, I'm not going to walk around like this. Right? It's like I'm going to box you. So they just can't see it. So we're going to have a sticker. And the reason being, because there are people with everything that I just talked about, with conviction. And the reason we did that was actually to stop an awkward conversation. Because it's in the awkward conversation that the enemy gets in the heart. Are you shaking? Uh, uh, uh. You can see. It's like, I love you, but I'm going to love you from here. And you're going to love me from there. Otherwise, it's going to change. No, I'm just... I'm just. So, it's just to make it aware. We have a small uh, stool with like, I don't want to call them baby wipes, sanitizing wipes, uh, like alcohol wipes outside every restroom so that should you want to, you can wipe the door handle, whatever you do. And you should be able to do that in front of everyone and everyone's going to be okay with it because we've just read the Bible. (laughs) All right. We have... Professional cleaners that come in, we've had this, some of the stuff we've had all the way along, but I realize we've never communicated. We have professional cleaners that come in before and after every single service. We have a company that comes in and cleans. We have asked the hosting team to wipe down all the bars and the entry doors and so forth as well. We are right now doing our best to provide an overflow room, which should be up and running hopefully next week. And we are looking right now, as soon as we can, maybe even in the next few weeks, to move to two services. We have a small staff and, we are st- and we're growing and we're still running to catch up and we have, in a sense, only so many worship. So we don't want to overly stress them. So we don't know what it's going to look like. We may have, you know, one live worship, one not. We don't know. But for this purpose of allowing people with those convictions to have enough space. So we are looking at that as well. So we have recently had a health department complaint, which means someone called the health department and told them something, and so now we're getting the call. I'm asking you, with love in my heart, do whatever you need to do. That's fine, even for those at home, and because it may have, could have come from anywhere. I ask you, now that we've read Scripture, do not destroy 
the work of God for the sake of food. I'm asking you, I'm asking you, come and talk to me. Just talk to us. I spoke to a gentleman this week, and he gave me interesting perspective. We all learn from each other. So, <laughs> we desire that people can be free. And I really mean that, which means I want people to be able to make their own choice when they come in here. They can make their own choice. But be aware of what I just spoke about. Paul had to deal with this in the New Testament church, and that church was operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. And we're seeing some of God move here, and it's just beginning. Be aware. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, meaning people that differ in conviction on spiritual, moral, or stewardship reasons. They differ in conviction. So remember the kingdom and be known by what you come together on, not by what splits you apart, because the kingdom is bigger than your current view. Yeah. It's much bigger than your current view. I think that's good. I think we're good. <laughs> Guy and Tracy. We love you very much, and we bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, my concern has been division in the body of Christ because we lose sight of the kingdom and we live in reaction. But Lord, you have determined the exact times and places where we live, and with us together, together, we have solutions to the problems the world faces. With division, we do not. Lord, I ask for conviction to come upon all of our hearts and to love with an, be, live with an outlook of love. Holy Spirit, I pray you rest on the hearts and the blood of Jesus Christ over every family and over this building and over every person's body because you are good. You are good. In Jesus' name. Amen.